0: Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt premier Eric Scopel on the show as always. And on this Monday, we are diving into the Oregon running back room. We've done our preview or we've done our recap of the 2020 season for the Oregon Ducks on duckterritory.com at running back. Eric has done the preview for Oregon going into the 2021 off season. And now we're going to discuss both of those topics here on the show. And Eric, it, From a 2020 perspective, I had, like, mixed feelings on how to view this year. Um, Travis Dye, 64 carries, team high, 443 yards rushing. He averaged almost seven yards a a touch, but he only had nine carries a game. Uh, He only ran for 63 yards a game. C.J. Verdell, when he was healthy – had some just phenomenal games. I mean, week one against Stanford, 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Washington State, 18 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. And then just nothing after that. I mean, 18 rushing yards against UCLA on 12 carries, 36 yards on nine carries against Oregon State, six carries, eight yards. He was hurt against California with an injury that happened against Oregon state and then didn't play against USC, the Paco championship game didn't play against Iowa in the Fiesta bowl. And I, I look at just the scope of Oregon's rushing attack and uh, you know, Chuck was third on the team in rushing yards at 271. He actually led the team in rushing attempts. Uh, Cyrus had 19 carries for 36 yards and four touchdowns, a team high. It's like some really good, but also some just really bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this more globally, big picture, um, this is a program that has been near the top or at the very top of the Pac-12 in rushing for a very long time. Um, you look through the last decade, you know, all, let's just say through the 2010s, and this is a, a program that has, again, like they are the preeminent running offense for such a long time. And in 2020, they were seventh. Um, that, that is – the worst placement they've had. I don't know since when, because I'd have to go all the way back prior to uh, the data I've got in front of me here, which goes back to just before the 2010 decade starts. Um, But I mean, you look throughout the years here, like in 2019, they were second in 2018, they were fourth in 2017. They were second in 2016, which was a miserable year. They were second in 2015. They were first 2014, first 2013, first 2012, first 2011, first 2010, first 2009, first, And again, that's as far back as the data I've got goes. And then you look at this year and they're seventh. And I know it's a wonky year, they had injuries, but like from just a pure production perspective, this was the worst rushing and that's the rank, but also based upon the yards per game, 166 is the worst they've had during that entire stretch. I mean, there were times in the early 2010s and I know the offense has changed, college football has changed, but like. You go back and look, and like this was an offense that was averaging like two hundred and seventy-three yards per game on the ground, three hundred and fifteen yards on the ground, um, two hundred ninety-nine yards on the ground, two hundred eighty-nine yards on the ground. That's the first four years of that run, and this year's team averaged hundred and sixty-six yards. So, I mean, I, it, this is a group that certainly wasn't up to expectations, and the you know the stuff with CJ is probably just a good place to start of. He comes into the season saying he wants to run for a 1,000 yards in a six-game regular season, and he doesn't even make it a third of the full way through the season as you kind of you know ran through because of injuries, and it's just it's hard to know what you're getting there, and I think Travis Dye is a fantastic change of pace running back. You get him in open space, and he showed what he could do. He ran through the yards per carry. We talked in the past about the receiving contributions he had. I mean, the – I mean, from, like, a yards-per-catch perspective, and again, it's not going to qualify in any season list because I think he only had nine catches, but, like, it's, like, it's like 25 yards per catch or something crazy, maybe more than that. Um, but they needed some stability from CJ. He never provided in that, and I think that was something that, I think at the end of the season, we've made a big point, you know, and I, and I think these two, it's kind of a chicken-or-the-egg situation here, but, like, we made a big point about Tyler Shuck really regressed. I think part of it was that the defense was just, like, they can't run the football very effectively, and they didn't run the football very effectively, and that impacts the zone read plays because of play at running back, and I think that impacts some of even maybe the passing down stuff. So I, I, don't, I don't want to put all the blame at running back because that's completely unfair. I mean, Tyler Shuck was not good. The offensive line was not good at times during the season, especially the back half. But the running back position was just eh, pretty meh. It's pretty meh, and this is kind of about as underwhelming of a season from a running back perspective as we've had. Um, and I think you come into 2021 now and we can kind of shift and talk about this. Cause I know that's going to be the second part of this podcast going, it has to be a lot better for this offense to take. I mean, they, they, let's look at this. They, they were seventh in the pack, 12 rushing in a season where they had one of the best total offenses. I mean, they yep. still finished fourth in scoring offense and it was much higher than that. Not much higher, but it was a couple spots higher than that prior to the bowl game. Um, where they you know, were, were pretty significantly under their 31.3 points per game. So I think it's just the run game was not good enough. And I think the staff knows that and they're aware of that. And they need to get more out of this running back group. But I think it's uh, uh, not just the running backs. I think the offensive line, the quarterback play got worse. But they need better play. And I think it really starts with, with can C.J. Verdell just be healthy in 2021? Yeah. Can he play a full season? And if the answer is no,
0: then that the- changes the whole dynamic of the running back room, I think. 100%. It does. It has to. It has to like Verdell when he's healthy. And this is what's I think Verdell is probably from an individual standpoint, maybe the toughest player I can think of in a very long time at at the running back spot to really judge. Is he elite or is he not elite? Because I mean, just think about this in 2018 as a freshman, 202 carries 10 touchdowns, just over a thousand yards. He averaged five yards per touch. Real solid numbers. Okay. But he missed a, a chunk of games in those times. And, and if he was healthy, that number is probably up in the 1300s. Maybe, probably more. From a rushing standpoint. And then in 2019, he played in 14 games for Oregon, 197 carries. He bumped his average up to 6.2. His touchdowns go down from 10 to eight, but his rushing yards, over 1,200 rushing yards. And the same issue as 2018. He misses three or four second halves of games uh, for the Oregon Ducks. And that number could have been 1,600 yards, 1,500 yards rushing. And we would be looking at CJ Verdell in an entirely different manner, I think. But and then it's it's also one in which I'm not faulting Verdell for getting hurt. Like you never right, you never blame a player for getting hurt, but at some point it's been three years now with Verdell when he's been eligible to play, that he's dealt with some kind of injury. And you just wonder, like, you're really good, but the inability to stay healthy really changes the entire perspective of your career or your your impact on a, on a, on a team, as harsh as that sounds.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, th- and then this is the situation that Oregon has been in for a while, and this is where – Like,
0: I, I don't, don't think there's a guy that you could sit there and say, okay, v- Verdell doesn't have – this is what makes it so difficult, is that Oregon, I don't think, has a guy on the roster right now that's proven – where you say, okay, Verdell is injury prone. We need to limit him to 10 carries a game, just because it's it's proven he just can't carry more than that. And I'm just using the 10 as a made up number. There's not another guy I don't think on the roster that can replicate almost to 100% or more of what Verdell does. Like I think CJ, I think Travis Dye is really good, but I think he's a really good complementary running back. I don't think he fits as your as your workhorse.
1: No, no, no. Exactly, Matt. And that's the thing that's tough here. And you have to remember, when he was healthy against Stanford and Washington State, how good he looked. How good and impressive he was in 2019 at the end of the season. I mean, I think, honestly, one of the most memorable single-game rushing efforts that I will probably have is just how well he ran against a Utah defense that just had not allowed anything from any running back all season he ran all over them and had like 250 something yards in that game three touchdowns um like that is really impressive so the hot this is the tough part about cj verdell the highs are really high but the lows are he's basically not even a factor because of injury and that's out of his control and i want to make that clear like i don't think either of us are saying he's like quote unquote soft or that it's his fault he's getting injury some people this is just what happens some people are injury prone i don't know if it, People have people like this in their lives, but I, I remember growing up, there were kids that were injury prone. Uh, there was a kid who would just always got hurt at recess. He would go down the slide and there'd be a stick on the slide. And this, you know, the stick would get caught in his like his hip or something like that. And he'd have to go to the, you know, to the nurse's office and it just seemed like everything went wrong for him. And, I, and that's probably an extreme example. Cause I don't think CJ Verdel's had, I mean, it's football. It's different, but like, there are people that seem like they just, their bodies don't take this kind of stuff quite as well. They, they just, I don't know what it is. There's no, I can't like explain it all from the medical perspective, but this happens. And this is what we've seen under CJ Verdell. So I think you have to enter 2021 going like, we know what CJ, we know what healthy CJ Verdell is, but we also know full well what not healthy CJ is. And we saw coming into 2020, they had, they knew this and they limited him in spring and they limited him in fall. Um, he wasn't even getting first team reps in spring really when we were watching and they only had four spring practices. This is not like a new development. Um, so they, they're aware of this. There are going to have to be contingency plans. I think the thing I would have liked to have seen a lot more in 2020 than we did see was, okay, I'm fine with seeing Travis Dyde play a lot. We know what he is. And I'm fine with seeing some of Cyrus C.B. Bilikio because we know he's good in goal line. Like those are guys I'm comfortable with that. But, but we need to see more of Sean Dollars. And, yeah. and that was to me like a thing of he's, everybody's talking about how impressive he is. When he's on the field, he's really impressive but we only saw him get touches against USC. I think he had like one run against Stanford in the opener. It was around the goal line. It was just a play that was dead on arrival. Like he got, I think he got like pitched to him. He lost four yards, but like when he's on the field, he's good. And I would have liked to have seen more developmental opportunities. I also say that fully realizing they were in win now mode and they were trying to win football games. And clearly they felt Travis Dye and Cyrus, Hibir-Likio, some mix of that with CJ Verdell in there a little bit before he was, you know, fully put on. I think the Cal game was the first, you know, the first game he missed completely, and then he didn't play the rest of the season. Like, I, I understand that dynamic, but I think the thing that's a little disappointing here is we now go into 2021, and Cyrus City Billy transferred. Jalen Wilson is transferred. The second player never played, and and I don't think had much of a line to play. But Cyrus was somebody that was getting a lot of snaps. He's now gone, and this is where it's both frustrating but exciting because it's on the one hand it's frustrating because I don't really have a great idea of what. Oregon has as its third running back. I think Sean Dollars is going to be really good. We've heard good things about Trey Benson. Um, The two four-star running back signees they're going to have, Byron Cardwell and Seven McGee, are are two of the more talented running backs Oregon has landed in a long time. This is the first time since 2013 Oregon has um, signed two or more four-star running backs. Um, the, the, The group the last time didn't end up being very good. It was Taj Griffin, Malik Lovett, and Kirk Merritt. None of those guys ended up being very good, so like maybe that's not a good trend. But like this is this is a really good group of talent they brought in. So like on the one hand, it's like you don't know what it is, and that's. But the flip, you know, the flip of the coin here is the exciting part is we think these guys are going to be fun to watch, and there is now more opportunity because Cyrus has left. You hate to lose Cyrus, but I think it opens the door to being like, hey, can Sean Dollars be somebody we play a lot? Can one of these other running backs be someone we play a lot? Um, And I think. And, you know, from a winning football games perspective, obviously it wasn't that, I mean, they, they struggled to run the football from a I ran through the stats earlier, but also from like a fan base perspective, I think there's a desire to see some of these young guys play because this will be now the fourth straight season where it's CJ and Travis atop the running back room. And I don't want to say it gets boring, but it kind of does get a little bit boring when you don't introduce other players. So, I mean, I think my wish list going into 2021 is, is that we'll see a little bit more of some of these younger guys that we just frankly haven't seen at all.
0: I, I don't know if it's if it's boring, maybe isn't the right word, yeah, but but it's 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 the continued same story of, OK, CJ Riddell's gotten hurt. Now Travis Dye is having to be forced into playing in a role that maybe best doesn't suit him. And then frustrations of seeing an offense that should be putting a, forth a better product in the run game struggling to do so. Um, and it's just like you continue to go back to the same solution to fix the same problem. And it, and while it's like, okay, it, it kind of gets you through the, the process at the same time. Like this was a program that for almost two decades was considered one of the t- five best rushing programs in college football. Sure. And I don't think you can say that right now. No, I don't you think can't. you can say that for the last four years. At Oregon. And it's just a, it's a weird thing that I don't think a lot of Duck fans are used to seeing is not having one of the nation's five or ten best running backs in the country. And and look, Oregon coaches can come forward and say, oh, well, you're being mean, C.J. Verdell. We believe in him. We 100% are behind him. He's, he is that guy. His skill set is a top ten player in the country at his position. And I agree with you. But I also will then point out the fact of the matter is, is your best – skill set is your availability and he can't stay available for games. And that has to factor into things that, you know, you, when, when you can, you can have the, all the talent in the world, but if you can't use it on the field, what's it worth? And, and that's, that's what I think is going to make this offseason so interesting because let's dive into Cyrus. Now mm-hmm. Cyrus of leaves the Oregon program. And I understand why he did it because this is a a, a guy that's going to be a, a junior again in 2021, and in three years for the Ducks, he has just 122 carries for 409 yards. He has 14 touchdown, uh, 21 touchdowns though. Uh, he by, has, by, by the way, Matt, just to cut you
1: off, I looked. It's funny looking at the all-time rushing touchdown leaderboard. If he'd stayed at Oregon, he might have finished top three or four. He was he was he was two off ten on the list. He's I mean, he's right there. So.
0: But he wants to be more than just a goal line short yardage situation. And I think in 2020 it became abundantly clear that when he came into the game, he was getting the ball and it was going dive left or dive, right? Like it was obvious. And then teams, you know, they stuffed it multiple times. They had, you know, Oregon could not, uh, you know, get the push and get the, you know, the, the outcome on a, on a, Uh, success rate that they were getting the previous two years, but that was because teams knew, oh, Cyrus is coming in. It's going to be a run play. It's going to probably be out of the pistol, right behind, you know, dive right, dive left. And then Morgan tried to pivot and they, you know, we saw late in the year, like Cyrus be involved in some screen game stuff. And that didn't really, I don't think that fits his skill set either. And so I think from a looking at it from a Cyrus perspective, he wants to be more than just a, a goal line guy and, and he's going to go, we don't know where he's going to go, but he's going to try and find a, a school. I think he'll have some options where he can be more of a, of a primary back. And because of the, tr- the transfer rules and because of eligibility, he's probably going to have two years, you know, to try and be a, a featured running back. This opens the door. Now I think where Oregon needs to go and say, Let's dial back a little bit of C.J. Verdell's carries per game. And instead of giving those just directly to Travis Dye, let's open up a third, a different guy in the room. Could be a Sean Dollars. Could be a Trey Benson. Could be uh, a 7 McGee who has signed with Oregon. Uh, or, you know, 7 could move now to receiver. And Oregon, you know, could, could maybe give those carries to a Byron Cardwell who committed to Oregon uh, last week. A four-star running back. I, I think that's the thing here is Oregon needs to figure out what they have and Dollars, Benson, Cardwell, and McGee, um, because it it will blow me away, knock me over with a feather I mean, if Verdell doesn't go pro like after twenty twenty one.
1: Well, and I think that's part of what made twenty twenty a little frustrating was just the the lack of understanding what the contingency plans are aside from Habibi Likyo and Die, and that dollars only got one game with some reps. And again, as I said earlier, I think it's a tough balance between trying to win games but also look big picture and see what you have. I know Trey Benson was hurt, but I would have just liked to see a little bit more of dollars. But I think in 2021, you're right because the reality is, is this is going to be kind of, potentially at least, a, a passing of the torch season. Um, and I say that because CJ and Travis could both – in theory, go early. They could both stick around. And and I say early. But they wouldn't. It wouldn't have been early if not for the NCAA's rule change that, that it makes them juniors this year rather than seniors. Um, but both players, I think you have to expect one or both of them to be gone in 2022. And it would be a grave disservice to the future of that running back room if you just straight up don't use any of these other guys and you go into the 2022 offseason going like, All right, well, Travis and CJ are both gone, and we've had a combined career 32 carries between the guys that are left to replace those guys. It's
0: a lot like what happened at quarterback. Like, they didn't give ample – I don't think they didn't give ample reps to Tyler Shuck in 2018 and 2019 to know what they had prior to Herbert's graduation. I'm with you. So, like, I think that gets a little concerning if they don't –
1: you know, I, and again, I understand 2020 was just wonky for a ton of reasons. They had desires to win the conference. I just think like, why didn't you give, and I think the other part thing is, is that they, they wanted to feed all the mouths that were the veteran guys. They wanted to make Cyrus felt healthy. Cyrus is a huge part of the team from just like a team chemistry leadership perspective. That's a guy that like, you want to incorporate him. So I get that part, but I I just think there was opportunity to play a little bit more of, of Sean Dollars to see what you have there because long term he has a lot more eligibility left. I mean, shoot, he's going to be a third year freshman in 2021, and I think you need to know what you have there. And I think you need to figure out what you've got in Trey Benson, Byron Cardwell, Seth McGee as well in 2021. Now I I don't. You obviously don't want to detract from winning football games, but if you're ever in a situation whether it's the game's out of hand one way or the other, if you're up 35 points, you're down. Probably not 35 points, but if you're down in a margin you just it's pretty clear you're not gonna win. You, you gotta give some of these guys some opportunity. Cause again, I I think you put yourself in a tough spot here going into the 2022 season if you just don't have a better feeling for what you have at running back with all these young guys. And again, I just did the uh, you can go check this story up on duckterritor.com. I think it's kind of interesting. It's it's the um recruiting rankings of these recruit of these running backs on the roster of the six running backs. And I'm going to spoil a little bit. I won't tell you the order, but the highest rated guys on the team are not the veteran guys. The highest rated guys on the team are the younger players of this group. And at some point, and I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that CJ Verdell and Travis Dyer aren't going to be one and two on the depth chart. I fully expect that'll be the case. But at some point you got to give this talent, which I think everybody is pretty excited about an opportunity. And again, whether that be, I don't want to set a number on it, but. You've now lost Cyrus. I think there's an opportunity for there to be a third running back, whether that is like a, a pure and simple short yardage back, and maybe that's where Trey Benson fits in because he's bigger, or if that's just incorporating a third runner into your offense. I think that has to be a focal point for, for Joe Moorhead, for Jim Mastro, Mario Cristobal, everyone involved um, in the 2021 season. I think you just have to do it. I don't. I don't think there's any way around it. If you end up finishing the season without knowing what you've got from those guys, it just makes it tough.
0: How do we view this running back? Like, what's the ceiling you feel like in twenty twenty one? Like, is it safe to say, in your opinion, that this unit could be a, a top five unit in the country in twenty twenty one? Top ten unit in the country?
1: No, nah, I I probably have a hard time with that. I, I I don't. I just don't think. I mean, unless you're telling me that if if CJ is fully healthy, you could convince me that they that they're like a top ten group. If he's not, I just there's not enough for me to feel confident about like. They, if, if CJ is not healthy, this group wasn't a top five running back group in the Pac-12 last year, right? So um I I, I just – and that's the thing that's been kind of confusing here is – and I was just – I spent the past week – you know, you go check out a lot of stuff, uh, content on running backs. I did the, the school's all-time leader leaderboard for rushing stats. And Oregon over the last two decades, basically since the start of the 2000s, has always had – just elite elite running back talent and it's it over you know year over year over year it was just from from one year to the next if a guy left they brought another guy and he worked out part of that was gary campbell who was just a tremendous running backs coach part of that was system and scheme part of that was um recruiting but i don't know if i look at this group and think there's like that top end talent right now of the guys you're going to be relying upon like i think in maybe in 2022 the ceiling is even higher just because i think the talent in theory could be better with some of those guys. And I don't want to disparage CJ because I love what CJ is when he's healthy. I just, yeah. I'm in such a weird spot with, with how to really like evaluate what CJ Verdell brings to the program. Cause he's just never healthy. And I think when he's healthy, maybe, yeah, I think when he's healthy and with the compliment around him, it can be a top 10 group, but I just have such low confidence in that that like, I don't know. Like, I think they can be top four in the pack 12, which is probably like top 25 nationally i think there's some good running backs in the pac-12 i mean oregon saw that i mean the pac-12 player of the year this year is a running back for colorado who's going to be back um you know and there's a couple other players that are are going to be back as well obviously some of the top guys left but i i just i just i just don't see them being quite that i don't have that quite high of a ceiling for this group um, unless cj is just healthy all year in which case maybe cj has a huge bounce back year and runs for 1800 yards and that's a scenario that i could foresee but feels kind of it's hard for me to really predict anything like that, given what we've seen just from staying on the field perspective. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And and it's going to be a storyline in 2021. We'll, we'll wrap it up here is just, there's a lot, I think the ceiling is very high, but I think the floor is also very low for this, for this unit. Um, they could be a middle of the pack grooming group again. Um, or, you know, I, I think if, if, they're able to stay healthy. They can they can get to the point where they could be the top unit in the Pac-12, and they could be in that discussion for being in that top five, top seven, top ten in the country. But it's going to require, I think, ensuring that CJ Verdell is healthy for 2021, and that that could mean limiting his carries. Don't pushing him. You know, when he's dinged up, don't play him. You know, if he can play, but he's got a, he's got a dinged injury, don't play him. If you don't absolutely have to play him, um, or if it's late, in the, if it's the second half of a game and it's a blowout, you know, and and he's only gotten nine carries or twelve carries, you know, don't worry about getting him to eighteen or nineteen carries. Don't worry about that. Pull him out. Don't play him for a meaningless you know hit, um, and and maybe give those carries to a dollars or or a Benson. Uh, or a Cardwell, or, or more carries for die. Um, but nonetheless, I think this unit's gonna be—it's gonna be tough to to view. It's gonna be exciting to see play out in 2021 for the Oregon running back group. That's gonna do it for us here on the Austin Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Until we talk to you with the mailbag on Wednesday, we'll see you then.
1: Talk to you folks.